from Cape Town. This is the Voice of the Cape, 91.3 FM. Good evening, Khuyanand, Mulweni, and a hearty welcome to the Shahida Kali Show. So, of course, today or this evening will be part two of the four-part series that we've started focusing on toxic relationships, abusive relationships, and focusing or discussing and having conversations about the different aspects of a toxic relationship because it can be so complex and sometimes so confusing and difficult and how often also there will be the element of denial and how people try and make sense of things or make excuses or be hopeful and the different feelings and complexities that will go um, into these conversations and into the experiences of these ladies who have been subjected to um, domestic violence, um, toxic relationships, abusive relationships, etc. So last week we spoke with the um, Miriam from Sarki Bartman and she explained to us and introduced us to Sarki Bartman Center for Abused Women and Children um, and the different um, services that they deliver and, you know, um, make available for women and children who have been abused. I am going to give you Sarki Bartman's contact number a little bit later on in the program, but also for you to know that Sarki Bartman allows you to actually walk into if you have a difficulty. They are open 24-7, 365 days of the year, so they are never actually closed. Um, and then, you know, Discussions and very important parts of the process of a woman who has been abused would be her safety and confidentiality, protection that she has, and of course that whole empowerment and rediscovering of the self that takes place. So in the time from last week to tonight, our uh, one of our program producers, Widad Peterson, went out there to visit Sarki Bartman Center, and she then spoke with three ladies. The first interview I'm going to be sharing with you is with the director and also an advocate, Bernadine Beggar, um, who is, you know, who sees to the different aspects of, you know, people who are, um, who then get helped at Sarki Bartman, but also looks at the legal part of how Sarki Bartman can assist these ladies. The other interviews that we will be playing to you, um, 
will be interviews done also by Widad Peterson and it will be done by two ladies who of whom of course have to remain anonymous to protect their identity and also um, to ensure confidentiality um, and their safety. So our first interview is then with the advocate who is also the director at Sarki Bartman Center for Abused Women and Children. So take a listen and enjoy. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh and welcome back. We are continuing our series here at the Sarki Bartman Center and with me I have got Bernadine Baha and she is the advocate as well as the director of the Sarki Bartman Center. Good evening Bernadine, how are you doing? Good evening, I'm doing very well, thank you. We are doing a series, it's about women and it's about empowering ourselves and really being aware of our situations and accepting when there is a problem. Now a bit later on we're going to be speaking to some of the ladies who will be sharing some of their journey or you know um, just telling us about their life and we'll be having that chat a bit later on. But for now we're going to be speaking to you about the legal side of things. I'm sure you deal with many, many cases. What do you see women as when they come in the very first time? You know, I'm sure they're not confident at all when they come in. How do you get them to trust you and to be open and to actually share all of this with you in the very beginning? Well, um, to start off with the first question, generally when the women come in here, they are timid, they are disempowered, they are frightened, um, they feel underneath, under threat. So... We start the empowerment process with them by taking them immediately into therapy. And that's where we start building the trust with them. Immediately we start working with them on their individual development plans, all the things that they need from the Saki Bartman Center in order to get back into the community and be empowered and stay away from um, abusive relationships. So that might need, they need a protection order or a divorce order, or they might need housing, they might need um, employment. So we start working with that with them from day one so that they know that this is this is the journey that they're going through with us and these these are the things that we're going to be working on with them you know when we speak about the trust the trust has been broken and I'm sure I'm sure it's, it's with the people that they've trusted the most in their life so when they get here they're trusting you um, somebody they don't know to actually show them the way forward how do you get them to open up in that way it's very, um, it's very important to actually remember that abuse isolates, abuse, um, causes one to be completely and utterly vulnerable. So when we start with the ladies from day one, we start with the therapeutic process with them. Um, we make them aware that they are seen and they are heard and that that's very important because quite often a, a victim of abuse doesn't feel seen and or heard. So we work with that immediately so that they feel safe, um, both physically, emotionally and psychologically. That's a really, really important aspects that you are mentioning to feel safe. I'm sure that many of them come out of an environment where they, they weren't safe. It really must take courage for one to come here and to take the step knowing that there's a fear of this person, you know, doing something or harming them. Um, so I do applaud the women that, that, that are here and, and, and especially you working with these women every day. And in the beginning, it might just be because they felt threatened or they felt that, you know, this marriage, this man was going to hurt me in this marriage or, you know, whatever the situation might have been. But you feel that somehow, or in most cases, this is linked back to 
some deeper pain that might have been there before? Absolutely. You know, when you start unpacking trauma, you traumas are generally they cluster together. So when you unpack one aspect of trauma, and that might be going through a physically abusive relationship, there'll be underlying things that will also be unpacked at the same time. That's why it's very careful to act when working with the, with the women in therapy, that they do feel safe all the time, that they do feel supported by us. Mm. But Nadine, what is your role? What is your particular role in the lives of these women when they do come to the Sarki Bartman Center? My role, um, first and foremost, is, is, is to, to make sure that the women feel supported and to make sure that the programs that we're offering for the women are high quality programs and that they fulfill the, what they needs are generally. So um, to make sure that we're not giving economic empowerment programs that are not speaking to what they want. So uh, always being um, aware of what the needs of the women are and adapting as, we, as we're going along. So for example, we in 2016 opened up a substance abuse unit because we we were seeing more and more of the women that were coming in were actually addicted to substances. So it's keeping a pulse on what's going on in the community and actually making sure that we are offering services that actually speak to that. You know, you said your role is to, to guide them and to actually give them that kind of assurity. But when it comes to uh, abuse or a crime that has been committed, how do you make them feel? How do you unveil this? How do you make sure that, um, you know, this person firstly gets the therapy and the help they need? But how do you make sure that the justice system also plays its role? Um, that's an interesting question. First of all, with regards to making the women feel safe and actually unpacking the abuse, it's, it's about, as I said, making sure that there's a safe environment around them and making them see that they, see that they are supported by, by the staff at the Saki Bartman Center. And then the, the other programs that we run other than therapy, things like economic empowerment programs where they get a great accredited job skills training. So when they go back into to the community, these women are not forced to go back to the perpetrator. Things like making sure that they get housing. Um when it comes to the legal system, we all know that we, we are grappling with the inadequacies of the, of the legal system when it comes to supporting survivors in South Africa. We need to be looking at harsher sentencing when it comes to perpetration of, of crimes against women and children. We need to be looking at fact, the fact that um, perpetrators of crimes against children and women should not be getting bail um, provisions. They should not be getting out on parole as easily as they are because quite often they repeat offend when they're either out on bail or when they're, when they're in, under parole. So those are the things that we need to be looking at. But also the, the Domestic Violence Act is quite clearly not seeing to the needs of the women um, that are, are using the act um, and needs to be rehauled. The implementation of the act is actually... Um, needs to be looked at as where, whether the act itself is actually seen to what the needs of the women are that are using it. Things like, are women getting orders as quickly as they want to? Is a woman that is um, in, a, in a, an abusive relationship, is she forced to sit in a corridor with a perpetrator right next to her for half of the day? We need to be looking at getting quicker orders. We need to be looking at the circumstances of these women that are actually approaching the domestic violence courts and seeing how we 
we can assist them to actually get justice faster. We all know somebody that has gone through this and somebody that's still going through it because they are too afraid to own up to it and to say that there's a problem out there and uh, to stand up to the perpetrator. A very valid point you made there is actually sitting half the day through, um, you know, next to your perpetrator and knowing that he's going to hurt you when you're done here. Bernadine, uh, please tell our listeners, our ladies who are listening right now, who are sitting at home and thinking, you know, he's not a criminal, so I don't want him to be treated this way. But at the same time, I'm really, really scared for my life. I would say to those ladies that there is there is support out there. There are resources out there. There are people out there that want to help. So get, in, get hold of Saki Bartman Center either by way of our Facebook page and or by way of our um, website. You can walk in. Um, we open 24-7, 365. Um, so there are, there are people out there that want to support you. Don't stay in an abusive relationship that can be cause you to become further abused or lead to your death. Stand up for yourself and by coming into the center and actually engaging with us with the services that we can provide for you for you um, don't allow yourself to be shamed by the abuse or isolated by the abuse we can assist you Thank you so much, Bernadine Baha, for joining us uh, in this interview here today. She's the advocate here at the Sarki Bartman Center, as well as the director, and we'll speak to some of the ladies here at the Sarki Bartman Center. Thank you so much, Dewidad, for that discussion that she had with Bernadine Bagger, who is the director and also an advocate at Sarki Bartman Center. They touched on a few very, very important points. We need to take commercial news. When we come back, we will introduce the next um, conversation that Widad had with one of the ladies who had suffered abuse and is actually can be seen as um, a survivor of abuse. Welcome back. I'm Shahida Kali and we are in the program where we're focusing on toxic relationships. Primarily, the purpose of playing you the next two interviews is really to help you to identify with some of that which these ladies would have experienced, but also to give you hope, to know that there is help, to know that, you know, you, your sense of self can be restored, your sense of safety can be restored, your sense of trust in yourself can be restored. Your sense of trust in the goodness of human beings can be restored. Because sometimes when one is in an abusive relationship, those parts of you are so shaken and broken down that it's hard to be in touch with your sense of self and trust, etc. Um, and so... As I explained before, we died. Peterson, who is one of our uh, program producers, went out there to Sarki Bartman and she had a conversation. We'll play you the first conversation of a lady who was abused, um, who was in a very toxic relationship and listen to her experience in terms of the abuse, but how she gets herself 
together and how she encourages herself. It takes a very brave person. It takes a woman with a lot of courage. It takes a woman who reaches out and realizes I need to take someone's hand to get help and to become more hopeful for myself and for my future once again. So take a listen. Welcome back. We are speaking to the ladies out here at the Sarki Bartman Center and we're speaking about toxic relationships, um, you know, about just really finding a way again, away from the toxic relationship, trying to, you know, get to a better version of yourself. And recording with me, I've got a lovely lady that's joining me telling us about her journey. Good evening to you. Good evening. Tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm an ex-drug addict. Uh, 2015, I stopped using drugs. I was on drugs plus minus 15 years. I, I was a prostitute as well. I did a lot of wrong things um, to maintain my habit, even for just day-by-day living. And um, I'm four years clean today. Um, I'm four years clean now. And I, I actually, I was raped in 2015, gang-related. And I and the past in the community brought me into Sarki Batman Center, uh, a safe house. And at the end of the day, when I came here, uh, I was still on drugs, and there wasn't a substance unit back then. Uh, back then, and um, I was here for two weeks. I was the social worker was actually looking for me for a rehab in the meantime, and I was here for two weeks. I can remember a week and a half, and I was sleeping and eating only. And in that time. Uh, a lot of things happened to me. Um, the support I got here uh, and the pastors that came in, um, spiritually I got um, motivated as well and uh, and the tools that I got here, uh, it empowered me at the end of the day. I never went to a rehab. I got um, I got free from drugs here. Uh, that was the 15th May 2015. Since then, I never used drugs again. And um, uh, today, I'm actually working at Sarki Department Center. I'm a relief worker at the moment. Um, so the tools that I got here, um, the empowerment that I got here at the end of the day. Uh, I came in 2015. I was here for plus minus a year. I went back home. I got married. And I got abused again. I got verbally abused, physically abused, emotionally abused, and I was married for plus minus almost two, three years. I got out of the relationship. I'm divorced today, and um, I'm looking forward to my future. And I won't say I'm not broke. I'm not broken anymore, but I'm, I'm stronger than I was back then, and I'm looking forward to the future i'm not looking at my past anymore because back in my um in my marriage my husband used to throw my past in my face and emotionally i had i got i was torn and and today i'm i can really say i'm stronger i'm independent i'm 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 responsible and at um i'm a mother to my child and i can help other clients that comes in here with the same um things that they went through or going through at the moment i can only put my hand on my chest and say what i went through give them my testimony and at the end of the day there's always somebody that will say yo they never knew that there is somebody out there that also going through the same situation 
you spoke about a lot of a lot of things that happened in your life and it's it's really a lot just listening to what you're saying and the little bit that you're sharing with us you know i look at you you know as a strong woman to the listeners who's not um, you know being able to see you uh, i would never say if i'd walk past you that you have been through so much difficulty because you've got a beautiful smile and you are so confident take us back to that time um in the abuse you know when when life was really taking another direction when you first noticed your first situation of abuse what was that first sign for you are you talking about in my marriage before before okay when i was on drugs um like i say when you're on drugs you don't care what you do or who you hurt at the end of the day i i was sleeping on the road i was sleeping at, at a garage in the toilets i was basically i was um i was doing anything anything i'm talking about anything for day-to-day living or for my habit to maintain my habit and um i my family my family said i must go out of the house my mommy actually looked after my child and um it's my child's birthday today so yeah um so if i must look back where i came from and what i did all the things that i did um, I would say. What was the sign? Was the sign. Um, the sign was. I actually wanted uh, the the time when I got raped. I whatever I did in the past, but still it didn't give the pe- the people that raped me give them the right to do what they wanted because no is still no. Mm. Although I was who or what I did, mm. and no was still no, and they looked past it and they didn't respect me as a woman or a human being, and. Um, and it actually, because it was somebody that I trusted that used to take me from point A to point B. And it was somebody that I actually trusted because the person used to um, escort me for a few times already. Then, I mean, I don't have money or then we will smoke together or I will give that person something that I have, maybe a five rand or a lolly or whatever. And at the end of the day, him and his friend um, went, that, went that far and... Um, I just think if I if that day, if I didn't say, um, if I wasn't, how can I say, if I didn't keep my mouth or anything, something else could have happened that day. It could, could have went further. And um, and I'm still just as, uh, how can I say, this, I still look up. Look behind my, look over my shoulder, because they are still living in the community where I stay. So, but I'm stronger now. I feel I can face him when I see them, because I'm not the person I used to be. I'm a strong, I'm a young, strong individual now. At the end of the day. Thank you so much for sharing that, Tina. And I think, um, as you're speaking, we actually put ourselves in that situation. Imagine, you know, confiding somebody that you think you can offload with, somebody who you think has your back for you, and then turn around and do that. You know, so that in itself, you said no means no, and he disrespected or they disrespected you. Moving on from the, you realize that that definitely was something that wasn't normal. You had to pick up the pieces and you had to move on with your life. What was like life like after that incident? Okay, I I got counseling at South Department Center. Uh, uh, it took a t- it took a while, but I, I as day goes on, I got stronger, and my life um, my life is uh, how can I say it's been it, it never has it never been better than I got identity here by Sarkipatman. I got my self respect back. I got um, 
emotionally I got stronger and I actually um when I came here I didn't know God I, I won't say I knew there is a God but I didn't but when I came here I also I I I how can I say it? You found yourself. I found myself and I got identity. God gave me identity again. So, um, yeah. Okay. So, you know, you, you left that relationship or you left that situation and you moved on. You came to Sarki Bartman. You then mentioned that you got married. You know, tell us, you know, what was it like before the abuse? Before the abuse, I tried to start over again. I trusted my husband. I told him everything that I did. Um... And at the end of the day, everything was thrown back to me. Uh, he didn't trust me. There was uh, miscommunication. Uh, he always thought when I went out or uh, or talked to somebody that there was something going on, or he didn't even trusted me. Then I, when I said, okay, I went to my mommy, then who in your past did you get there by your mommy? It was always a question mark. And um, he was never satisfied with me. He, well, he always wanted me to be somebody else and not satisfied with the person that I am today or that I was. And um, it actually hurted me because I just where I came from and I tried to start over again. And I thought that he was a person to start over again. And just by starting to be honest and doing something on, in the right way. And at the end of the day, it wasn't a 50-50 relationship. And that was actually heartbroken. Okay, so when you when you spoke about the abuse, when did you first know that um, you know that this is not normal for me to be in a relationship like this? Did, did you you said that there wasn't any communication? You know, there was a lack of communication. Do you feel that that is a key point in the relationship? And do you feel that at some point, you know, you kind of made excuses and thought, okay, um, let's just hope that he's going to change, or you know, I'm seeing things that's not there. Uh, I would say I thought it's going to change. I prayed every day that it's going to change. But I also noticed that I can't change somebody. And um, for me it was, how can I say, I loved him and I still do love him, but I can't stay in a toxic relationship. Because at the end of the day, I'm hurting myself. Um, I'm feeling I'm going back to where I started in 2015, before 2015 when I was a prostitute. I feel disrespected. I feel um, 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 the person is just using me. Um, even when I come to a private part, where it comes to the bed part, it wasn't uh, like it's supposed to be. Uh, um, you can see, you can feel when there's love and when there's not love. And at the end of the day, it took me back. Um, where I was, um, where I, where I, um, where I let people abuse me and misuse me. So at the end of the day, he always made me feel like I'm the wrong person. I'm doing it wrong, and I'm I'm crazy at the end of the day. So what, what are some of the signs that you would tell you know our listeners to look out for or perhaps in that marriage where they're thinking that this person is going to change one day and um, you know it's maybe just me that maybe I need to look at myself differently. For those people who were listening this evening, what can you tell them, you know, what are major signs that they should not overlook in an abusive or a toxic relationship? Uh, if that person don't have respect for you as a woman, firstly, and if, uh, how can I say, if they're not, if they're not treating you with the respect that you have, you have to be treated, 
and uh, abuse is a cycle. At the end of the day, they abuse you, and then they come back with uh, with with they buy you presents or whatever they want to make up. They want to make up, and then two weeks or week or, or later, it all starts starts again. If I must go back, I was I, I had a blue eye. I was thrown with uh, with stones in the road, and that was just because I he made me feel yeah he, he buys me stuff, and at the end of the day, I must. Yes, at the end of the day, it's almost like when well, then it also takes me back. Mm-hmm. I had to do something for something, and it's not the way it's supposed to be. So it takes me back to all of that stuff, and at the end of the day, we, we made up, and then it just happened again. He buys me stuff, and then it just happens again. At the end of the day, that money or that presence is not is not um, worth your self-respect or your self-esteem mm-hmm. at the end of the day. Where did you draw the line? When did you say that enough is enough? I've had it. I'm going to do something to change my life. Uh, okay, I had a blue eye. I was thrown with the stones. And afterwards, I still gave him a chance. I Actually, I was. I came back um, the second time to Sarki Bartman Center for the abuse that I got in my marriage, uh, abusive relationship. And after my two months, I went back. I empowered myself. I went back buying myself a, a windy house, moving away from him, and he actually came to come move with me into my place. And at the end of the day, he was like, um, it's my place, and it's not... So he didn't have something to... Uh, Back then, when we were staying together in his sister's, my sister's place, he would uh, say, when we fight, he would say, yeah, take your stuff and go. That was mentioned once. But there by my place, he couldn't say that to me. So at the end of the day, it's like I've got, how can I say, it's a 50-50 now. Okay, I've got the place now. He's buying the food example now. It's a 50. He can't, I can't even make for Mark van yes, Plekie. Yes. So at the end of the day, um, I wasn't, he used, to, he used to go out. Then he comes in late, drunk, and... Um, and I didn't, I, I didn't tolerate that anymore. I thought, okay, that's enough is enough. Um, the stuff that I had in the house, the furniture, he will always um, break something in in the house. He will take it out in the on the furniture and stuff like that. And um, there was always arguments. At the end of the day, I, I, I became a person that I that I didn't need, that I didn't know. So I was losing myself at the end of the day. And that was something that um, actually scared me. You, you were you not scared at the time when all of this was happening and now being able to walk away from this man, this man who has done so and so and so to you and has damaged you as a person, you know, walking away and he's given you a blue eye, he has thrown you with stones, he has hurt you physically. Were there any fears that you felt, you know, walking away that, you know, he he might just do this again to me. I came to Zarki Badman, I got protection order, I took legal, um, I got legal advice here, and um, I've got a protection order against him for life, so there's nothing that he can do to me anymore. And um, he actually hurt me, but he can't hurt me anymore because at the moment I'm still picking up the pieces. I'm not divorced long, I'm divorced since July month now. So I'm still picking up the pieces day by day still. Um, I don't think I'm ready to go in any, into any relationship now because I've got a lot of issues that I still have to sort out. Mm-hmm.
um, so but it's taking day by day and I'm positive one day at the right time I will meet somebody but I'm not in a hurry okay. thank you so much for sharing your journey with us I think that uh, words cannot explain what you what your advice here this evening might mean to a listener who's listening this evening and thinking they are in the situation but they have no way out to that listener your last words in conclusion maybe tell please tell the listener um, who's thinking I have no way out and this is how my life's going to be until I die you know and, until we separate by death thinking that I just have to be in here because this is the commitment I made to be married to this person what would you say to that person listening well, my words will be, uh, you don't need to stay there. Even if you're not working, you're not financially. I, I can only put my hands on my chest. I came here, I started as a cleaner. I started uh, cleaning toilets and stuff like that. And at the end of the day, if I could have done it, why can't they do it? Because uh, you have to start under to get up. To start to build yourself up at the end of the day. Thank you so so much, and I wish that your journey from here onwards makes you grow even more into the person that you want to become. And uh, may you be able to assist many other women who's been in your situation. Thank you once again. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> wow, I can only express admiration for this lady with whom. Uh, Widad Peterson, our program producer, has actually had this conversation with. I applaud her. And so just to touch on some of the things that she mentioned, um, she speaks about speaking out. It takes courage to speak out. She mentions amidst so many of the wonderful things that she shared with us about her life and you know to inspire and to and to let us be stand educated as women who are possibly abused when she says no means no that that is so important for us to take ownership of um, and then what stood out for me was that she says God helped her to find her new identity um, that which will include self-respect. So there was the restoring of the spiritual relationship that she has um, with her Lord. And I, I just thought, wow, that was so, so profound that she is identifying that when you come, when you are in a re, an abusive relationship, Often, like she says, it, I felt a discomfort when it felt for me like I was losing myself. And you can't, you lose your own identity, you know, and to rebuild your identity in which she's able to say, I'm a strong young woman with courage, you know, and I'm not going to stand for this. I mean, of her last word, she says, you do not have to stay. She speaks about loving her the perpetrator yet you know alludes absolutely clearly that love is not enough if there is love from my heart to you but you're not respecting me that you are abusing me i'm in a cycle of abuse um you know then love is not enough and i needn't stay in such a relationship i think of the things also that stood out for me is the fact that she says some of the signs is when you are being treated and there is no respect that is there and then she describes a little bit of the cycle of abuse, how they will hurt you 
and apologize and buy you gifts and promise it's not going to happen again. And then that cycle goes around again and there's a period of, of quiet and so on, of restoring and it feels better and then the abuse will show its face again. So it's really, if you can think of a cycle, if you can think of a circle, once you're in an abusive relationship, then it the, the most probable is that it will be within a circle that just keeps going round and round. You have to step out in order to break that cycle and for people to get better, people to be restored, people to be healed. So even perpetrators can actually be healed and stop being a perpetrator. I just want to say that in a moment. So there are programs and Sarki Bartman might not be focusing on the abuse but certainly um, places and institutions like NICRO um, and FAMSA would be would have abuser programs as well. So I'd like to go to, before we go into the prayer time, the later evening prayer time, um, so we can't uh, play you the second the the second interview with another lady who has been in an abusive relationship which we'd like to play for you we will have to play that after the prayer time of Isha but in the meantime I just want to go to some of the SMS's or messages that I'd received so one of the messages was a question whether Sarki Bartman um, offers um, services to men as well with drug addiction. No, they don't. Sarki Bartman is a center for abused women and children. So a place that you can go to would be Nicro. Nicro has programs for people with drug addictive behavior and difficulties for the person who is abusing drugs, but also for the loved ones um, who are affected by the, the person person who's being seen as the drug addict. So Nicro would be the place for you to go to. I just want to touch very briefly on the message that I'd received in which the person is saying toxic relationships. We're we speaking about and, and, and they are suggesting that this is male bashing, that we are um, only focusing on men being the abusers and accusing men to be the abusers and bashing men. And I want to say this is a four-part series. We're absolutely touching on the fact that toxic relationships could have a woman as an abuser as well. However, why we started with women, if we are doing it proportionately, if you're thinking there are four programs. So we've, we've now, this is the second one in which we are focusing on women being abused. I'd like the person who texted me to please go and research statistics and look at statistics and look proportionately about how many women are abused in relation to men being abused at the hands of women so that you can see whether proportionately whether we are on par and you can advise us we open to your advice in that regard but certainly if you're looking at the figures then if 90% of women are abused then 10% of women of men are abused if you're just looking at relationships and I'm not speaking statistic now 
because I don't have it in front of me. We acknowledge that gender-based violence can be women to women as well, can be a woman to a man, can be women to children as well as babies. We acknowledge that. We are not denying that at all. We are first focusing on the women who are being abused, particularly focusing on Sarki Bartman and what is happening at the center for women who are abused and children who are abused. The Voice of the Cape, 91.3 FM Stereo. If you have just tuned in, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh and good evening. I'm Shahida Kali and our focus is toxic relationships, particularly focusing on the women who find themselves at Sarki Bartman Center for Abused Women and Children. So our one of our program producers, Widad Peterson, went out there and visited the women and had another conversation with one of the ladies whom we can see as a person who had been abused and can see herself today as a survivor. We learn from her and we grow from her. Take a listen. Welcome back to our series on toxic relationships. And uh, with me, I've got another one of our ladies here at the Sadki Bartman Center who's joining us to speak about their journey. Good evening to you, ma'am. How are you doing? I'm well, thank you. I'm doing well, thank you. It's lovely to be out here in the center. And of course, um, you know, speaking to you lovely ladies. You're here because of some sort of abuse that you've been through in your life. And so you're here at the Sarki Department Center. But tell us why you are here. What is the reason that you are, um, you know, part of the center here? Why are you a resident at the center? Um, I've been in a relationship for past almost two years and in my relationship um, things were going well when I was not working and uh, I was depending on my partner and most of the time I had to ask for everything from him but at the end of the day he was mostly he was emotionally abusive and verbally abusive and you always put me down as if like I'm nothing, I'll never be anything in life and I'll never succeed in life and all that kind of sort of things. And I'm nothing without him, I'll never able to do anything for myself. Then I able to get a job. When I started to get a job, then things started to be more abusive. And when I was working, I was working, my shift sometimes can be almost um, 8 o'clock until 12 o'clock at night because it was 24 hours restaurant. So when there are shortage of staff, I had to fill up um, for the other staff. So he became so abusive in a way that he became so physically now. Mm. He will um, he will sometimes tell me that, uh, okay, fine, you say that you were at work, he thinks that I'm cheating on him and everything, of which he's the one who was 
all doing all of the stuff. He was still dating the mother of his children. And uh, he ended up also cheating with my friend. So for me, when I confronted him, he said, you are welcome to go. And he know that I don't have anywhere to go. And the man that I was earning was too little for me that I can go out and rent. So it came to the point that um, when we were fighting, we fight and sometimes when he beat me up, I cannot go to work and I end up losing my job mm -hmm. because I was scared of speaking out um, yes. at work and to explain to them what is happening to me. And I was ashamed of that. Why, why should I let that happen to me or whatsoever? Yes. And sometimes I feel like it, it is my fault that I'm behaving like this. Yes. He's behaving like that. Yeah. And he always shifted the blame on me all the time. If ever you didn't do this, I would have not do that. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we'll break things at home, break the phone or take my phone so I cannot communicate to anyone. Mm -hmm. So it came to the point that he beat me up and then he broke my jaws. I ended up in hospital. I slept in a one hospital for a week. Then they transferred me, transfer me to another hospital for the operation because my jaw and my teeth were loose. I could not eat, I could not talk, I could not do anything. So I was scared also to talk to, to tell the truth in hospital. I thought they were gonna get him arrested. I still love him, I still want him to be a better person. Still had help for him. I was. I, I still had help for him. That he's gonna change, and he's a father to some to his children, and I don't want to rob his children, um, their father. Yeah. When I went to hospital, when they transferred me, they told me that they're gonna do an operation. They have to put plates on my cheeks because it's really damaged. That is when I think like, okay, now this is time for me to get help. Because I was here in Sarki Department before, uh, with my previous relationship, I was scared of coming before because I thought they were going to judge me. Why you allow that to happen to you because you were here before and all of the stuff. I thought they were going to criticize me or judge me or look at me in the other way. But when I came back from hospital, I saw that I don't have another choice because it's either I stay in an abusive relationship and die, or is it I go and get help? Okay. That, that sounds like, you know, any woman's worst nightmare to be able to, you know, live through that. You said that that was actually one of the signs for you that you've had enough was when you ended up in hospital. How did you think about yourself? Did you ever think that, okay, this was okay for me. I'm going to, I'm going to be able to make this through this, you know, through this relationship. He will change one day. Were those some of the things that were crossing your mind? Is that maybe the reason why you waited so long to get help? Yes, I did have hope, and because when it, um, whenever after we fight, he will come back to me and ask for apology, and soften me up, uh, buy me gift, and told me he's gonna change, he's gonna go and get help for his temper because he's got a temper problem. I always believe that he will change, and there are there were good moments with him. I think that is one of the things I that makes me to stay with him. Even though he was mostly like um, so verbally abusive, he would tell me, okay, Queen, you're the one who made me do this and that and that. And at the end of the day, I end up believing that I'm the one 
who make him to do all the stuff that he's doing to me. And I believe that I, I'm nothing without him. And I can't get, I can't do anything in life that is so good for me without him. He's the one who has to hold my hand. I can't be independent woman. Coming back here to South Department, you actually started your recovery, right? It was your first steps to your recovery. What did that feel like? What did it feel to take back your life and to be in a, an environment where you now felt safe? For me, when I came back to Salki, the only thing I was concentrating on mostly, it was my healing, my physical healing, because I was in and out in hospital. So I never heal inside the, the first time when I came here. I didn't think about, let me concentrate on my feelings, on how I feel. The only thing I was happy about is I'm safe and I'm gonna go to hospital and get the treatment that I needed. I was, more con I was more concerned about how I'm going to look after the operation or whatsoever in me than to concentrate on my inside. Then after they told me that they were not going to operate me because the wound is okay, I was happy. That is when I started the step to get the counseling and to join the support group and to open up more. And I felt... I, I don't know how to explain it, but it feels like I can do anything I want to do. I felt happy. I feel more safe. Yes. I feel like I can do anything in life. Yes. Do you feel that you have goals in your life now? Do you, do you see yourself going places and doing things now? Do you feel that your confidence is coming back? Yes. Yes, a lot. Um, for me... Um, to be abused is not, is not something nice, but at the same time, I'm grateful that it did happen to me. Not that I'm saying it's a good thing, but because if I didn't come here in Sarki, I would not, not discover myself that I've got some potential talent. And I'm, at, um, uh, I'm also working here inside um, by the crash. And also, I'm going to go to school next year for ECT practitioner. So, so many things that have come up, positive things that have come up for me while I'm here. And also, there are so many courses that we get here and so many trainings that we do. So, I, I think, like, for me, being here is, has given me so many opportunities. Um, without, like being abused and everything, but it has uplifted my spirit a lot. Because I would have not thought like I would be someone that can be a doing uh, a city practitioner. I'll never consider myself walking by the crash, looking after children. But now I feel so happy around the environment of like looking after children, working with children and understanding children and also building up my my experience of how am I going to raise my children also. What can you say to people listening to your story here this evening? Um, they're listening to, to the person you were, and now you're growing into this beautiful flower. You're getting back your confidence. You are achieving your goals step by step. What are you saying to that scared person who is very scared to take the step and get the help? I will say... No matter what your perpetrator is claiming to you that he loves you, as long as he's still abusing you, he doesn't love you. Get out there, meet up with the social workers, go to the police, try to find help. 
Because one thing for sure, the perpetrator always apologize. Always got something to say. You always know which button you have to press so that you can you can calm down and also be on that space he wants you to be. Get help before it's too late. We are lucky, some of us women, that we did able to get help. Don't wait until it's too late. Your family still needs you. Your mothers, your brothers, the community still needs you. So just get help before it's too late. One last question before we go. Um, coming, you know, speaking about family, have your family been supportive in your decision in coming here for help? Really speaking, I never told my family about it until now. I was ashamed because my family don't approve the the fact of that to, to go and stay with your boyfriend before marriage. So I was scared of letting them know about what was happening to my life, that they're going to judge me also. And there will be so many questions that will be asked that I have to answer. So I decided to keep it quiet and just to not even say anything about it until I am back on my feet. One thing for sure, I know no parents wants their children to go and stay with a man without marriage. So for me, I was ashamed of that because it's not something that in our family that we have to do. I think in any family that it is not approved to go and stay with a man before marriage. So for me, I didn't say anything. Until now, I just told I told them now that I am at the circuit Batman Center. This is what is happening to me, and they were shocked. Why didn't you tell us? But at the same time, even if I did tell them, what if he did go there and make a scene there or try to do something stupid there? So that would be another thing for me. At least I know here in circuit there's cameras, the securities, the police station is nearby. So whatever, if ever he finds out that I'm here, he tries to do anything, then I know that I'm in a safe place. Thank you so much for sharing your journey with us. It is so valuable to our listeners and to me, you know, hearing your story and, um, you know, just taking and looking at you and, and seeing this beautiful person you're becoming. Even though it's my first time I'm meeting you, I see the pain and I see that you are, um, you know, looking forward to your life now. So to that, I, I, I want to thank you for taking out the time to come and share this, you know, the story with, with our listeners who might be listening and who don't know a way out. So, to that as I thank you and I wish you all all the best uh, for your life ahead and uh, for you know just for being the person that you want to be and achieving your goals thank you once again thank you very much also to be here and I hope um, the other women can take um, can take the step forward and say and say no to abuse because we as women we need to unite um, together and try to fight uh, the abuse because really we as women we need to be strong for our children for our families and in order to do that we need to take, to take the step and say enough is enough and speak out thank you so much once again and that was our recording down here live from the Sarki Bartman Center from myself with our Peterson for Voice of the Cape I say assalamu alaikum and shukran to you for listening 
Well, wow, you know, wow is what I say in admiration in terms of the the courage and how brave these ladies have been. We've been through years of the, the trauma of abuse. And you know, when you're being abused, then you experience so many different feelings of which I would want to say can include fear and anxiety and the sadness and even some women would be experiencing PTSD symptoms. Some women will be in denial, but you know, they, a, a woman can feel very threatened and absolutely scared and unsafe and ha- would have developed trust issues and would also be trying to cope with a lowered self-ability, sense of self-ability, sense of um, self-esteem. You know, there'll be self-doubt. Uh, you would have heard her saying that she suffered the confusion of am I to be blamed so there's a lot of shame that is internalized and so if you're looking at all of these and more of the of the feelings um, and senses that are affected you know by these women so when they stand up and say can I take the little bit of self-respect and courage and be brave and stand up and respond to a hand that is being held out um, in hope I, I just applaud the women, really, you know, and I, and I hope that for ourselves we find a place in our hearts, in our sense of selves, that we're able to stand up and say, if something is not right in our lives, we owe it to ourselves to help that it be corrected. That never means that the so-called perpetrator cannot reform and be helped absolutely that person can be helped she says i love him it's interesting both women said they still love the person um this lady speaks about i i always hoped for change and i wanted a father for my children when you stand up and speak out and say i will no longer take the abuse that does not equal i'm taking away the father of my children that does not equal continued hope for change but it change then looks different so you know because of time constraints i cannot actually speak further about these conversations i mean i think the conversations were very self-explanatory i applaud these women we applaud these women and you know i trust that we will all learn from their experiences so that we can improve on our lives
Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh and good evening. I'm Shahida Kali and oh, you know, we're running out of time already. So I'm panicking here with wanting to speak with Zulfa Brown Jabbar about really a stunning topic. Zulfa, firstly, let me greet. Assalamu alaikum and welcome to my program. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. It's a pleasure being here. Shukran so much for giving me the time, auntie. So uh, please call me Shahida. <laughs> so Zulfa, um, you know, we really need to get as much information into this conversation. Let's just start off. You are the founder of an organization called Wives of Paradise. Tell me about that. Tell me your thoughts about why wives of paradise. Yes. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. You know, I think it's something that was put into my mind um, subliminally by my husband. Usually when he wanted to twist my arm, he would lift his arms up as if he was flying. And he said, don't worry, I'll ask Allah when I'm in Jannah. One day I'll ask Allah, please let in Allah. So it started out as a joke. But, you know, before long, it became something in my mind. And it became from the back of my mind. It came to the top of my mind. We, When I wasn't pleased with something or when I didn't want to do something, I would change my mind to think, you know what? I'm going to do it for Allah's sake. I want to be a wife in Jannah and I want to be his wife in Jannah. I mean, Inshallah. so when I had this plan on what to do, and I'll tell Adjushayda also how I came to how I wanted to do it. Uh, the name was almost there already. And I didn't want to alienate anybody non-Muslim. So I kept it in English, Wives of Paradise. Um, that, and that's the near, inshallah, for me, first of all, to be a wife of paradise, I mean, and for each and every woman. Interesting that you're mentioning, and we're going to speak about your seminar launch, and for me, the rollout of many seminars to follow. I was thinking of inviting a person who is not Muslim to attend it with me. Um, so I'm very, very glad that we're opening up a conversation that is non-specific to or not just specific to Islam but rather paradise as that of a place where women can live you know and be inshallah or wives can be but let's so so let's just look at and and I you know I smile when you say that it actually started with you know kind of an an interaction between yourself and your husband Mm -hmm. making you a wife hey so um, let's just talk about this organization wives of paradise is now looking at a foundation seminar launch tell us mm. about that inshallah um, when i became aware i'm sure and Shayda, you know with us sitting here we see many initiatives happening in the community and when i was sitting there as well as a producer as a presenter as well I often thought, you know what, one day somebody is going to do this. It's something we need in our community. And it didn't happen. And this year I found myself in a seat um, in a life coaching course. And in this course we learned that if there's something that's required in the community and it's not available, then you have a responsibility to make it available on some level or other, even if it's just on the individual level. So I was so inspired when I attended a seminar called Me, Myself and I, a workshop by Kashi. Adams, who's based in the Saudi, but she is a Cape Townian. And I thought, you know what, this is something that we can do in, in a similar manner, but on the topic of sexuality, sexualization, and sensuality. And so um, it's a foundation. 
that aims to provide a platform for these topics, inshallah. And the format, first of all, is to do it in a seminar. It's a mass format to get. We we haven't really touched the surface on these topics in our community. It's something so sorely needed, and I feel that we can find a space where we can we can launch. We can get the message across. The The aim, it's an education foundation, inshallah. And the aim is to provide a safe space where we can provide information that is relevant to these topics for Muslim or non-Muslim women. Though, of course, the Islamic aspect, I find, and I've done quite a bit of research, but the Islamic aspect with the moral values, with the monogamy, with encouraging marriage, which is the ideal form of a relationship, is the one that I feel is best for all communities, not just for the Muslim community. Okay. Well, shukran for that. Um, I'd like to, so when you're looking at you having this launch, and when we were off the air, you were referring to, but this would be the first of many. So rollout will happen after that. So just if we can touch on what we can expect in the future. Okay, inshallah. So um, let's talk about for what we plan for the first year, inshallah. And the launch is a seminar of four. Seminar one is taking place at the end of October the 27th. It's for wives. Seminar two, inshallah, we hope to be for the husbands. Seminar three and four for wives again. And then within that, for next year, inshallah, we hope to do fiqh of sexuality classes because the the topic of fiqh of sexuality is just huge. And this is the one we're probably most accustomed to, especially in terms of the don'ts. You can't do this. You don't. This is haram. This is allowed. This is a question mark. Uh, lots of things. I, that's a topic all on its own. So while we are going to touch on the topic on how fiqh works of sexuality in, in the first seminar, it's way too much. It's about at least a minimum 18 hours, let's call it, of content. So that is an entirely different class. It might be a Saturday and a Sunday. It might be two hours on a Wednesday, on a Wednesday or Thursday. We'll see when the Mu'alimas are Please, available. Please, not week, <laughs> not in the week, because no. it's going to exclude yes. many of us here. Eh? No, it won't. I think I want to have an option in the week and then an option, option on the weekend. Oh, also, that would be so inshallah. great. That would be so great. And uh, the idea is to have it for men and women separately. Mm-hmm. A female alima for, for the woman and a female alim for the men, inshallah. We want to be, um, we want to create a safe, comfortable, therapeutic space for whichever, whether it's a seminar or whether it's going to be our classes. You said earlier on um, that we want to have a platform that is going to be um, I can't remember the word, but encouraging um, for women when you spoke about the toxic relationships earlier on. It might be a space you would know with your experience as a psychologist. It's probably going to be a space where something that might be in our subconscious is going to be raised. Something that we didn't realize was a traumatic experience or was a sexualization experience or was a grooming experience. Uh, Probably there's going to be pain coming out, lots of emotions in that space. So the first one, inshallah, is interpersonal. 
for the wives. Well, it's not only for wives, it's for women 18 and older, married, divorced, widowed, unmarried. So the idea is to create a safe space, a space with trust. We plan, inshallah, to have lots of breathing exercises, um, awareness exercises, visualization exercises. We could do something for two days, but it's a process. So we are, the idea behind it is to, it's from the morning from 9 o'clock until 1 o'clock. The idea is to go slow. A little bit of everything, a little bit about sexuality and the body, a little bit of about a fiqh sexuality, a little bit about um, igniting your sexuality, a little bit about uh, psychological well-being and the body, and then also some stress, emotion and tension releases exercises yeah. for women to go home and to process I I, th- I would really like to suggest, and I mean, really, I'm sure you would have thought of it as well. So, for example, from your seminar launch, seminar one, um, to, to much learning to come from there. So I would so like for you to have suggestion boxes or questions yes. that people or, you know, conversations people would like to have and let them put it in the box. People don't, especially when it has to do with sexuality and sensuality. You know, there are many boundaries that people are kind of stuck in that it makes it a topic that's sometimes very difficult to speak about. So, so for example, instead of having people put up their hand and, and suggest to ask a question or something but rather to have suggestion boxes Mm -hmm. and so that will be there just a thought of when we have uh, seminars in which trauma can reveal itself or the the pain of trauma can reveal itself to also have kind of a referral system that people can be referred to a counsellor, a psychologist or so because you do not know what actually is going to unfold in seminars like those where the pain of trauma could become very overwhelming and people can break down. I'm just, you know, it's just a thought that I'm having. But coming back to, I want us to just you know, conclude the, the seminar launch part. Your what are your dates? Where is it taking place? How does a person register? Are there any costs, you know, to this? Okay, and the practical details, we do have a box that's going to be going around the day. Great. And we're going to have the, the panel staying until the end. So all questions will be posed at the same time. And then um, also, um, yes, the date is the 27th of October. It's a Sunday morning. It is from 9 a.m. until 1 p.m., but we want to ask women to please come early. Um, if we cheat ourselves, as we often do, out of time, let us not cheat ourselves out of time this day. Come on time, tell your families, you know what, this is going to be me time and it's going to be for my benefit first and then for the entire family. Mm -hmm. Because if things are fine with mum, then things are fine with mum and dad and the entire family. Absolutely. So so just to, do people have to register? How do they register? Are there payments to be made? Yes, EFT payment is definitely required. People definitely need to register. We don't want any long registration processes at the door on that day because it's a capacity for 350 people Um, even though we do have four different entrances the best I think the easiest is probably on the whatsapp number which I'm going to give unto Shada Um, it's 073 067 
0614-104-4889. Tickets are 130 rand. That includes a refreshment and a goodie bag as well. And... Um, yeah, it's until one o'clock. Okay. So from nine o'clock until one o'clock, but the doors will open from eight o'clock already. Okay. So to register, are you saying that one can contact the um, WhatsApp number, which I will repeat again, to register? Or do you, you know, how does it work? We can EFT. Once you've EFT, you've got your proof of payment. And then what happens after that? Your proof of payment, uh, everything is electronically set up already. I will send them the details via WhatsApp insurance. So when they're going to register and send it by email, automatically they're going to be on a list and at the door all you have to do is give your name. If you've paid and registered, then you, your name will be on the list definitely. So it's just a quick tick. So assuming I've registered and so on and then a day before the, uh, the seminar, a friend or a sister wants to come along, will there be walk-in registrations or does it all have to be done ahead of time? If we have tickets available. Okay. Inshallah. If we have tickets available, there would be that option. Um, we would prefer, for, and it is going pretty fast already, um, the ticket selling, inshallah. We would prefer for people to register beforehand, and we will also make um, information available if there are going to be seats available. I can give the details on here. It's going to be a bit time, yes, but what I could also do is send it to the VOC WhatsApp line. I think I think it's best to do that, um, you know, because of time constraints, we are very little time over and I really would like you to just very quickly run through the speakers of the day and the topics that they're covering because you know I really think that your your speakers and your topics are quite stunning. Inshallah um, I think so too mashallah shukran so much to Allah for the guidance for Alhamdulillah. that. So we have Mu'alima Abida Pia who will be touching on the fiqh of sexuality and sexual intimacy as a workshop. When I did my research um, the main research that came up was the inability even of married people to see sexual intimacy as a workshop because there are lots of other emotions there. We confuse shame with shyness or with modesty and then Mu'alima Khadija Ali, who heads up the female wing of the MJC, will be speaking about what they see at the MJC trends in terms of how sex and sexuality affects marriage and the breakdown of families and marriage. And Mu'alima Khadija will also end off with a, a topic, a sexy topic, igniting your sexuality as a Muslim wife. Good. And then Mu'alima Karima Jassim will be doing a Quranic recital that's going to be very relevant to the Wives of Paradise name. And then um, Dr. Mariam Kiston will be speaking about physical health and sexuality. She is a lecturer in phytotherapy at UWC. And um, Shamila Safadin, who is a psychological counselor, will be doing a sexuality and psychological well-being talk, inshallah. And lastly, we'll have Nazli Bihardin, who is a lecturer, a life coaching lecturer and kinesiologist, who will be speaking about the body's reaction to stressors and how it affects one in the bedroom with regard to sexuality. Wonderful. Unfortunately, we're out of time. Uh, Zulfa Brown-Jabbar, I have to say thank you very much. I'm very proud of you as a young lady who is the founder of this organization or foundation called Wives of Paradise. We strive for that. So shukran mm -hmm. so much and all the uh, success. I'm going to just end off um, by greeting you and also reiterating the, the WhatsApp number. So shukran and assalamu alaikum.
0674889 the information will be sent uh, to VOC VOC will likely also have it at their reception desk so you can phone the VOC number if you've missed any of the content from Yishahid Akali all the best we'll see you there inshallah assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh and good evening